Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the KPRC 2 Sports Podcast. This is episode number eight as we get ready for a big college football weekend. It gets started all over the country. We're focusing now in the next few minutes uh, with a guy. If you follow the Aggies, Texas A&M, you know all about Tex Ags. Uh, the owner and editor of TexAgs.com, Billy Lucci, hanging out with us for a few minutes. Uh, Billy, thanks for the time, man. It's hard to believe the offseason is done, camp is over, and it is time uh, to start playing some football on Saturday. I know you're fired up, as as is everybody there at TexAgs. It's here, Randy. It was a, it was a long offseason, I think, especially in, in College Station. There was just so much going on around the program with that terrific well first you had a a bowl that didn't happen then you had that terrific recruiting class unprecedented historic recruiting class so there was the build up to that the signing of that and the aftermath of that and then you had the the uh jimbo nick saban feud during the off season (laughs) and just wrapped up a highly competitive quarterback battle just a few days ago. So it's been a, it's been a wild off season. Um, I think I can speak for most Aggies and say that it's about time the season's here. It's, it's go time and, and a really tough schedule. Really good football team, I think as well. One it should be one of the better ones uh, that I've covered. It, it certainly is in terms of talent. Mm-hmm. Now it's just a matter of, of this team, uh, proving that maybe 2020 started that transition into uh, that rarefied air, that top five status, and that that tw- the 21 season, that eight and four year last year, mm-hmm. maybe had more to do with an injury at quarterback than it did uh, the rest of it, and that, that they really are on, on track to kind of emerge as a top five program. This year, I think, will tell the tale either way. They don't necessarily have to get to the mountaintop, mm-hmm. but we'll learn a lot. Do you feel like, I mean, how was the offseason coming off that 8-4 that and four season, not where they wanted to be in the SEC? You mentioned the injury. I assume you were talking about the, the Haynes-King injury. Yeah. With Haynes-King last year, how, how much of a different story do you think that would have been? You know, they lost three. The Arkansas game was 17-10 in the fourth quarter, but I felt like Arkansas controlled that game for most of it. But they lost three really close football games. I'm not sure they go 11 and one. Maybe they don't beat Alabama. Zach Calzada was was brilliant that day, but I think that's a 10 win football team with Haynes King last season with the team around him, based on how close they were to being that anyway. And I think you look back, it completely changes the narrative. Right now we're talking about back to back New Year's Six bowl games, and this thing's trending a certain way under Jimbo Fisher. And I think that's mm-hmm. the reality of where where it's at i just think again you saw last year everybody in the sec sees it every year there's such a fine line between winning and losing that that when you get right up there on the precipice of it you've got to 
kick that, you know, as Bum Phillips famously <laughs> said, right? You yeah. kick that whatever bleepity bleep door in, and, and that's where the Aggies are at right now. They need to kick it in. They did it two years ago. They did it last year for one game. Now's where you back it up and say, hey, these next three, four years mm-hmm. are going to be a, a golden age of A&M football because it's, it's, it's really hard to get to that point. I've seen pro, a program like Clemson do it recently. For the non-say uh, Blue Bloods, it's very hard to mm-hmm. get to that point. And when you do – it's a lot easier to fall back into the pack than it is to kick it in. Oregon, I think, would be a good example of that. Uh, Texas A&M is on, on the doorstep of kicking it in. They've got the roster over the next you know, multiple years to have a couple few runs at it. So this is, this is a pivotal season in College Station. I want to ask you about a couple things, uh, <clears throat> just some hot, hot talk points with, with A&M football. And, uh, the, the quarterback race. Walk us through from your perspective. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people feel like Haynes King is the guy and has that upside and they want to see more of him. There's a small fraction that says, hey, they weren't real impressed with him last year. What, what was your stance on Haynes King with what you saw of him before that injury? Well, here's where I'll go with that. And, and I feel like a lot of A&M fans have put too much into that in mm-hmm. a spring game. You know, Haynes King, they saw him play one game. Um, he threw he threw three picks, counted for I think three touchdowns, had a lot of yards. They saw him play one game and one drive. Oh, by the way, it was his first ever meaningful action in in college football. Mm-hmm. You know, as a red as a essentially a redshirt freshman, they they watched his first start. Uh, where probably Jimbo would tell you two of the three picks weren't on him. He won the job. He won the backup job once. He won the starting job once, and now he's won the starting job a second time. And this time, mm-hmm. he beat out a guy that started the last year and a half at LSU, who, who who is really impressive and has been from the minute he got to College Station. And Max Johnson, and he outlasted Connor Wigman, who you're very familiar with, and everybody in Houston listening right. is very familiar with. I think Wigman to bring a national title to A&M with the talent that's going to be around him. Connor's a true freshman, however, and he, you know, he sat in my, at my desk and we did an interview a couple weeks ago and he said, you know, the one thing, as soon as he can figure out the, the why to what he's being asked to do, the why to the checks, the why to the route tree, you know, the why to everything, mm-hmm. I think Connor's going to be an absolute force to be reckoned with. But right now, Haynes King is, is the dude and, I think Jimbo's very comfortable with not only his knowledge of the system, Randy, he wouldn't have won the job if he didn't improve as a passer, which he's absolutely done over last season. But I think the biggest thing, too, Haynes is a legit 4-4-5 guy at 6-3. That's not common at the Mm -hmm. quarterback position. And I think last year, Jimbo, there was a lot left on the table there. Uh, when Haynes went down, that they wanted to do with Devon A. Chain and even Anaya Smith in terms of versatility. You talk about a couple of Houston mm-hmm. uh, stars there. There was so much versatility there, you know, that he can do with a four-four-five QB and those two guys, you know, in the backfield with Anaya also in the slot and being able to motion over. Mm-hmm. So much to do there that that I feel like that was just tantalizing. I think Jimbo Randy last year felt like when Haynes was injured, 
Mm -hmm. There was a lot of meat left on that bone for that season. There was a, there was a lot that they wanted to do and intended to do last year that they were unable to do without King and his, that, that speed there that is, again, like I said, it's uncommon mm -hmm. at the quarterback position for a guy to be so legitimately sub four five and in the mid four fours to go with a chain who might be the fastest player in college football. And a guy like Anaya Smith, you've got a, a backup tailback who's a five-star from the Houston area and LJ Johnson. There's so many mm -hmm. weapons, but if you have that mobile threat at QB, and I just think that plus the experience was going to make Haynes very difficult to beat out. But that said, what he did was he really improved as a passer. And I think the biggest thing you'll see this year, whether it's Haynes or if, if something were to happen throughout the year where someone else was quarterbacking, the biggest thing you're going to see is that downfield passing attack open up. And that's what I think's held this offense back. You know, you look at the teams that beat A&M over the last few years, you see the, like the LSUs of the world, the Alabamas, obviously, the Clemsons. Uh, they've got game breakers, game changers on the perimeter. And with Anaya Smith as a senior and, and true freshman Evan Stewart, remember that name. And there's a couple other studs from Houston that are already making noise and Chris Marshall mm -hmm. and Noah Thomas who have are really – you're going to see a lot of them starting this Saturday. But Evan Stewart's as good a, a true freshman receiver as I've ever seen come through A&M. And I think he is of that category where he'll very quickly uh, be an All-American type of guy. And A&M just simply has not had that at wideout uh, during Fisher's tenure. And now is, they do. So that that should be fascinating. Is this kind of the year where we're, we're going to start seeing the, the payoff of some of these recruiting classes? Uh, I know it's been a little bit each year, but is this probably would you when you look at Fisher's tenure, is this almost uh, I don't know if breakout year is the right term or not, but you know what I'm saying we're yeah. we're going to see all these all these great classes that he's put together leading up. We're going to start seeing some of the talent now on the field. Yeah, and you know you saw it last the last couple of years from that one class in that Houston area, and Anias right. is still a part of that. But you saw Kenyon Green, who's down in Houston, and Spiller, mm -hmm. and th some of those guys, but. In terms of the top-to-bottom depth, I think that's when you're about to see it now. Mm. I saw a deal the other day that ranked like the, the most talent on you know for every program in college football, and A&M was fourth. It was Bama, Georgia, maybe it was Clemson. I don't know who was third. They had A&M fourth. And this is A&M's got more talent. I don't whether you're talking one to twenty-two or one to forty-four, one to eighty-five. A&M's got more talent than everybody but probably Ohio State, Bama, Georgia. The small group. Much, they may have as much talent as Ohio State's. Yeah. Ohio State's got it at quarterback and receiver and, and, and the, the skill spots. They're unbelievable. But if you – A&M's got – the Aggies are going to play 12 games this year. They're going to play one team with more talent than them. And so I, I think mm -hmm. if you ask every team on the schedule, everybody but Nick Saban, every head coach, if you gave him truth serum, would say, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll trade mine for yours. Here's the difference, though, and this is the wild card. There's a few of them that would say, and I think maybe four of A&M's first six games, they go Sam Houston Saturday at State. Maybe the next four coaches would say, not, not Saban, but, He's got Bryce Young, but mm. Arkansas, 
Miami, Mississippi State, they'd all gladly trade talent. Even Sam Pittman would maybe have to admit that as big and I'm nice sure guy. He would. As he That's is. right. Yeah. But they might say, but let me keep my quarterback. I'll take your rest of your team. Let me keep my QB. Yeah. Because they don't know Haynes King's an unknown right now. He's a wild card. He's a wild card in the SEC. He's a wild card in the playoff race. So how Haynes plays and, and directly directly connected to that is how this O-line plays in September, Randy, I think will tell the tale for this season. Because we know what 23 looks like. We know what beyond looks mm-hmm. like. I mean, that recruiting class will be in year two. You'll return a starting quarterback. They'll really return both lines of scrimmage intact. Net 23 and beyond are going to be the years. But if this is to be the breakout year, and this is to be the year where you kind of shock everyone and make that move and say, okay, we are in the conversation with Ohio State, Georgia, and Bama. They've got to hit the ground running. And King and that offensive line have to be ready to play not just Saturday and against Appalachian State, but especially ready to roll mm-hmm. by week three against Miami. Because you go Miami, you go Van Dyke, Jefferson, yeah. Rogers, Bryce Young, all in a row. So, yeah, you jump right into it. They're going to have that. to score. Yeah, no matter how good this defense is, they're going to have to score. Last question. Uh, we're speaking with Billy Lucci from TexAgs.com. Last question for you, Billy. Um, it's still very early, relatively speaking, in Jimbo's tenure, but it. Coming off that year, and this might sound like a silly question, but you know the pulse down there. Is there pressure on him to – I mean, because, you know, eight and four is not acceptable down there for whatever reasons. When does the pressure start to show on Jimbo? uh, And how much – what's the leash like knowing they've got all this talent? And do they need to see – do fans need and want to see, uh, you know, improvement this fall? Yeah, I think everybody wants to see improvement this fall. And I think I've talked to Jimbo about that in the past. And he understands the pressure that came with him leaving Florida State for A&M. Mm-hmm. And then the contract extension and the raise and uh, this recruiting class, all of those things ratchet up, ratchet up the pressure. And um, the contract makes for – Jimbo Fisher is going to be at A&M for a while. Yeah. And, and everybody at A&M believes in him. And, of course, with every year that doesn't go your way, we've all you've – you've covered the sport forever. I have, too. That stuff starts to erode. But I think Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher, I think everybody uh, from the chancellor to the AD to the fans on Texas, I think everybody realizes Texas A&M has their coach. They've got the fit. He fits A&M. He's got the pedigree. He understands what it takes to build a championship program. And like I said earlier, I think everybody that's that's really watching this thing realizes, hey, it, it, it's been a better first four years than people want to give credit for. You know, everybody does the whole – people forget A&M's one season removed from where they should have been in the playoff. Mm-hmm. They won an Orange Bowl. In year three, Jimbo Fisher produced arguably the best season in Texas A&M history. And what everybody wants to say is, oh, it was a COVID season. I hear I hear the Longhorns. I hear the LSU fans, the rest of the – oh, it was a COVID season. It's easy <laughs> for the media to say that, right? Can I tell you a little something about a COVID season? That is the reason Texas A&M did not reach the playoff. Because what, what nobody wants to say is if Trevor Lawrence 
didn't miss the Notre Dame game due to COVID. Notre Dame doesn't beat Clemson in overtime in South Bend. Right. Because we saw what Trevor Lawrence and Clemson did to Notre Dame in the championship. Mm-hmm. They're not in the playoff discussion. That fourth team is Texas A&M. COVID is what kept A&M out of the playoff that year, not to mention it cost them uh, almost certain home win against Ole Miss that year that would have put them at, at um, you know, at that extra win there in November right. uh, to boost their resume, maybe push them past a Notre Dame or an Ohio State. So that season, we're, we're one season removed from a top five finish, a number mm-hmm. four finish in Aggieland. And again, you go back to this will be the year where you see is A&M really on that top five path and, and kind of have arrived in that, in that realm? Mm-hmm. And are they a national title contender for the foreseeable future? Or is it a situation where you do ask yourself, well, when is this, when is all this recruiting uh, success going to really kick in? And like you said, pay those dividends in the form of SEC championship game birth, a title, a playoff birth, I think it's coming. Just take it on next year, step. Yeah. yeah, and this year is, is an important part of that because it is. And you look at that schedule, man, it's brutal. But as the it Longhorns is. and Sooners are about to find out and, <laughs> and all the Aggies and Bayou Bengals in Houston know, it's a whole different world uh, in the SEC. It really is. No doubt about it. All starts uh, this weekend with Texas A&M hosting uh, Sam Houston. They'll continue on a matter of weeks. It'll be time for uh, SEC play. Can't wait to, to watch that. Billy, man, really appreciate the time, as always. And if uh, you don't follow TexAgs.com, make sure you, you give it a follow, subscribe to them. All the great Texas A&M coverage, you can find it TexAgs.com. Billy is the owner and editor of TexAgs.com. Billy, thanks for hanging with us. And we will see, I'm sure, this fall at Cowfield. Thanks, Randy. Always, buddy.